On this episode of The Mompreneur Show, I'm talking to Jocelyn Sands. She's a wife, a mother of two beautiful children, and used to be an elementary school librarian who turned online entrepreneur. I'm your host, Vika Lashenko, and this is the show that features amazing stories of the most remarkable mompreneurs. Thank you so much for joining us. Jocelyn, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's so wonderful to have you. It's absolute honor. Now, tell us how you got started online and where were you before you became an online entrepreneur? Okay, yeah, my husband and I, we got started um, back in the summer of 2012. Um, we were both teachers. He was a high school social studies teacher. And as you said, I was an elementary school librarian. And just through a lot of different events, uh, my husband Shane had been sort of interested in maybe coming up with some extra income and, you know, possibly even maybe quitting our jobs one day. But we had no idea what that looked like. So um, this random summer day, he's out mowing the yard and he started listening to podcasts. He just picked a random business podcast, which happened to be the Smart Passive Income podcast with Pat Flynn. Um, so he started listening to that and he runs inside and he's like, I've got it. This is it. This is what we're going to do with our lives. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I, I don't really know about that, but all right. So he uh, kind of got me interested. He started the ball rolling. And as usual in our relationship, he starts something and I kind of come in and finish it. So that's how we get started. Love it. That's amazing. Yeah. And I'm so happy it was Pat's podcast because Pat's, Pat, Pat's podcast is the very first podcast that I've started listening to as well, which is so yeah. amazing. I love that. So now he runs in, tells you this news. You're like, oh, great. Here we go again. Right. And then. Yes. How? Yes. <laughs> how did you guys start? Like, what were the next steps? And um, if I can cr remember correctly, he's the one that started his little entrepreneurial journey and then you followed. Yes, that's right. So he was convinced this was our ticket to freedom. It was going to work. And, you know, he does this a lot. So for me, I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, buddy, that sounds great. So, um, so he starts a couple of websites and, you know, they're not really going anywhere. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I told you so, whatever. So then one night we're uh, just hanging out and he's like, hey, one of these websites made 11 cents. And I'm like, Oh, you know, that's, that's very interesting. So I thought, well, you know, if he can make 11 cents, so maybe I can make 11 cents or $11 or $111, you know? So I started to see sort of the scalability of that at that point. And I was like, wow, this maybe could be an option. So I decided to start a site too. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> so it was all, what, what's the time frame? What, so, when it all happened since he started his site and started making 11 cents and then when you started right. um he started this probably in like uh late may early june and i think i bought uh, the elementarylibrarian.com domain in june uh early june of 2012 so you know it didn't take very long for me mm. to see hey this could be something interesting that maybe i could also do so um i started that domain i started that site and i thought you know if um if i'm gonna do something i'll do something that 
can benefit me even if it doesn't work out. So on my own time, I decided to start making lesson plans. And I thought if I'm going to make them, I'm going to try to sell them. So that's what I did. Wow. So what did it look like in the beginning? So you're, you're obviously already um, very invested in your work. You already knew what you were doing. And so what did it take for you to create those lesson plans? So basically, I had wanted to create lesson plans for a long time. Um, in a perfect world, people can create their lesson plans at school. But for an elementary librarian, it's very difficult to do that because we don't really have planning times. We cover everyone else's time where they get to plan and write their lesson plans. So I really couldn't do that at school. And I thought, you know, this is my time to do it in the summer. And I'm going to sell them because I'm doing it on my own time. So basically, mm. I just uh, I made a month of lesson plans and I thought it would be cool to try to uh, basically give that first month away because I thought, you know, people can check this out, see if it's for them. And then if I get a lot of interest, maybe I'll try to sell the next month. And that's what I did. And it went beyond my wildest imagination well um i started it in june i wrote the first month of lesson plans um and got those ready by july and then i was sold the first month i believe in august so i sold september in august and basically i just took little baby steps you know i didn't create this big huge product because i didn't know for sure if it was going to work instead i just baby stepped into it and i just, I don't know. I started selling things in the very first month. I think that it sold over like $2,000, which is not typical. <laughs> okay. That's incredible. So you, you literally your first month you created it and you sold it right away. And, um, Markella, you or Marcella, I'm so sorry, sweetheart, if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, but, um, you asked a question, how did people hear about the site in that first month? You literally took, the words out of my mouth. That's exactly what you want to <laughs> ask because, you know, in the online world, it's um, you have to build the SEO. You have to be build the traffic and all that. How did you do that? Yeah. So at that time, uh, SEO and Google, the, the big Google slap hadn't quite happened yet. So um, we basically Shane was learning everything he could possibly learn. And I was in a, in essence getting the Cliff's Notes version of all of this. And so I was just kind of listening to all the stuff he was saying and trying to put it into practice as he was learning it like in real time. So basically we started out, you know, started out blogging, of course. Um, I tried to use a lot of really keyword rich terms in those mm -hmm. blog posts. Um, we did no paid advertising for a very long time. And actually we do a limited amount of it now. In fact, um, we're starting to get into that more, but um, yeah, basically I did it through SEO. Um, I was able to find what's called wikis. Um, and basically sort of like Wikipedia, you can add your site to those wikis. So I found subjects that were relevant to uh, what, we were working on at the time or what I was writing about mm -hmm. and I would put my link to my site there. Um, and basically just being a real person. I mean, I think that a lot of times people discount that, you know, I was just a real mom. I was a real librarian and that's what I did. So, you know, I just would be me. I would post as me about things that were really um, relevant and pain points for librarians. And I think that that made them, like relate to me and they wanted to continue to read and continue to buy the products that I put out there. 
Wow, that's absolutely incredible. So can you tell us a little bit more about the wiki? Like, is it still in existence today? Like, yes. How does it work? Okay, so there's a site called Wiki Spaces. It's like W-I-K-I spaces.com, I think. Mm-hmm. And in education, there are a lot of these. So what I did is I would look up terms um, that I wanted to target and like those wiki spaces would be like number one or number two. And I thought, well, if I can't make it to number one or number two right now, I can at least put my site on these wikis that were number one, number two. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So that's how I did it. Um, I also would uh, put comments on people's blogs with a link to my site, not like a spam comment, like, you know, buy my lesson plans. Now it would be like an actual comment that, um, you know, would be relevant to the discussion on the number one website. And I would just put my website there and you'd be surprised at the amount of traffic that would come from that. From just commenting on people's blogs. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's incredible. And, um, uh, Markella, sweetheart, tell me if it's, I'm uh, pronouncing it wrong. Um, uh, so the majority, she says the majority of your traffic, um, the first month was from wiki and the comments or knowing, or from people knowing you directly. I honestly think it was just through Google search. Um, at the mm-hmm. time, especially then there was not a lot of competition in this space. Mm, yeah. And I think that my stuff just came up to the top just organically. Yeah, that's interesting because when I first learned about you and I did not know what your website was, I literally just um, Googled elementary library plans or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it came up first in Google and I was like, oh, wait, maybe this is it. And I clicked and it was it yeah. was your site. And so um, very, very interesting. So when you launched your site, like when you're working on your um, lessons, lesson plans, like did you create articles for your website and how many did you create before you like launched it? Basically, I just launched everything at the same time as in um, the opt-in bonus. I knew that from the research that Shane was doing that that was just integral you know we had to have that email list i knew it was so important Mm -hmm. so i made that my first priority my first priority was getting that opt-in bonus ready so that i could start capturing leads immediately and once i did that i just started blogging once a week um i didn't batch at the time now we will batch content you know we'll work one day and have content for a long time but Mm -hmm. i didn't do that at the time i mean i was a mom i was working so i just wrote one post a week and I wrote about things that I knew that elementary librarians were experiencing, pains that I knew that they had. And I think that's why people really related to what I was writing. And therefore, they wanted to continue to follow because, you know, I was being a real person. I was being a real librarian and talking about things that they were interested in. Mm, that's so powerful. So cre- really creating content authentically and really from your heart. And um, when people are looking for that content, they will come and they will find you and they will love it and they'll buy from you. So you're, you're like the perfect example of like the perfect entrepreneurial journey. And of course, you know, not everybody has the same journey, but it's absolutely inspiring to see that, you know, that we can have that dream as well. Now we have a few bloggers here who are starting out and who are um, in the finance world, like Natalia and a few others, and they're wanting to make this a full-time gig. And they're blogging, but they don't necessarily have anything to sell yet uh, as far, well, as far as like physical products, they do some consulting. Um, But where do they start? Like, where do you suggest that they start with um, 
making monetizing their blog um, in a way that you did? Well, I think that the most important thing to do is to make sure that you do have that opt-in bonus ready because you don't want people coming to your site and consuming your content and then going away. Um, and there are some really cool ways to capture those people now with like the Facebook retargeting pixel, things like that. But as far as like writing alone, um, I would say just make sure that you definitely have that opt-in bonus done first because that way you can start getting those people on your list and then you do the all important step of asking them what they need help with. What are their pains? If you're not solving a problem, you're not going to be able to sell a product. Mm. It's really difficult to do. You have to solve a type of problem that keeps somebody up at night, that makes them say, I have to get my wallet out right now and buy this because it is so powerful in my life. That's the kind of problem that you have to be solving. And the only way to find out what that is is to either live through it yourself, like I did with the elementary librarian, or to ask your audience. If you have no audience to ask, then, you know, it's going to be really difficult to do that. Ooh, very interesting. Now let's go back a little bit. And so what was your lead magnet? And can you um, elaborate more on the lead magnet and what are the um, benefits of it so um, the audience can um, understand what the lead magnet yeah, is? Yeah, of course. So basically, a lead magnet, it's also known as an opt-in bonus. It's something that you're going to offer to your reader to get them to give you their email address. So they will sign in or opt in to your list, and you are going to send them that piece of content. But that's not going to be your last point of communication with them. That's your starting point of communication with them. So basically, it's a value exchange. You provide value for them. They provide an email address for you. And that is just so important because, yes, there are a lot of different ways to get people in your audience. Mm -hmm. But if they're on your email list, you can contact them as often as you want. Um, you know, there's no limit. You don't have to pay to uh, for them to see you in a news feed of some kind or anything like that. So that email list is vitally important to your success. Now, um, what was it that you said you were wanting to know about um, how to get people to... I forgot what you said now. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no worries. No worries. No, the, thank you so much for explaining that so clearly um, because I, I completely agree with you. Email list is so important. And I've been also building the email list for the mompreneur show. It's so interesting because every time I email, I can see an email link to the show, like preparing them. Hey, we're going to go on live. And then 15 minutes before um, I see spikes in the analytics is that people are actually going versus like Instagram, which is, you know, one of our bigger traffic sources too. And like Facebook, it's very filtered. So you can have, you know, 10,000 followers on Instagram, but only let's say like, it, I mean, it could be as little as like 20 people would actually go on, but versus email, the, the, the rate, the click rate is so much, so much bigger. So I completely agree with focusing on the list. Now, can you share with us what was your gift? What was your lead magnet that you gave away? Oh. Yes, I, that's the part I forgot. No okay, worries. so my <laughs> my first ever lead magnet was actually a month of lesson plans for elementary librarians. And that's really a little more than we would typically advise people to give away as a lead magnet now. Um, but back then, you know, I really didn't know any better. And I just thought, well, if I can get people using these lesson plans and dependent on them, then they will continue to pay for them month after month. Wow, really, really good. So you actually 
completely over delivered. Um, and so people were truly hooked on you, um, on, on what you have to offer and what your, your advice is. So now do you, how do they purchase this from you? Do they purchase a lesson plan from you every month now, or is it a membership site that they joined and they get the, the lessons free? Okay. Yeah, that's a good question because I started it out as a one-off product. Mm -hmm. So people would pay for a month at a time because honestly, at the time, that's all I had finished. Mm -hmm. Um, I was again, a working mom. Um, what I would try to do is get them finished the month before they needed them. So for instance, if you were going to purchase the October lesson plans, I would have them finish on September 15th. And you would be surprised at the amount of people that were like, where are the lesson plans? How much longer? You know, and that's the beauty of doing a product that way. And also pre-selling products. We often will recommend people to pre-sell things. And the reason being is because if someone's waiting for a product, you're not going to not finish it. You know, if they've already paid you for it, you're going to get it done. So um, it was really tricky. I, at the time, I had an 18-month-old daughter and a three-year-old son. And I also worked a full-time job. So, you know, I did all this at night. So it was rough for a while. But um, that was what we did at the beginning. We sold one off. And now we sell as a membership product. So we do a recurring membership. You pay a monthly price to have access to all 600 and something lesson plans and activities. Wow, that's incredible. And I love that. I mean, everything just builds up. And Natalia says, this sounds like me right now. I have a three-year-old <laughs> and an 18-month-old. Natalia, yeah. um, you are hustling hard. And Natalia has been one of our um, incredible supportive uh, viewers for, for since we started. And um, I, she's such a hustler. And Natalia, I can see you in like Jocelyn, being in Jocelyn's shoes in just a couple of years. So um, what was a hardships like when you were um, building this and you were working and you were with the kids like did you how did you reach out for help how did you because like, your husband was doing his own thing too and so yes. how were you balancing that yeah, it was really tough. I mean, we had two different, well, actually we have multiple sites, but at the time we had two that we were really working on primarily. And he was also a football coach at the time. And if you guys know anything about the coaching lifestyle, I mean, uh, it's really intense, even at the high school level. Like he was getting home usually about at the kid's bedtime. So I would come home from work and I would have those two tiny children to feed and bathe and get ready for bed and, you know, play with and all those types of things. And when they would go to bed, that was my time to work. And it was a very limited amount of time. Um, we worked on the weekends. I mean, there was like, there were no holds barred. You know, we, we did it all. We did what we had to do to make it work. Wow. And that, that's the true hustle and definitely pays off. So, um, did you get any help with the kids? Because that's like very limited of time or <laughs> that, or you did not even get enough sleep at all. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit of both. <laughs> I mean, we do have family nearby who, you know, they were willing to help us at times and we had babysitting too. So that would help some. That was mostly during working hours though, like when we were doing our actual nine to five teaching jobs. So yeah, it was difficult at times. I mean, there were times that we stayed up late. Um, we would switch off working a lot. So like when mm -hmm. Shane would get home, uh, he would take the kids and put them to bed while I worked for a little while. And then like he would work for a little while. And basically we just built our life around that. Like we decided that this was what we were going to do. We were not going to fail at it and we were going to make it happen somehow. Mm. 
you guys were really driven no matter what we're going to make this happen that's yes that's really inspiring that's really inspiring um so uh marcella is asking what um is a price point and how did you how did you guys decide on a price point um, that's an interesting question. And, um, it's, it's actually changed through the years. Um, when we first got started, I basically tried to price it by the unit. So what would happen is I would make a, a set of lesson plans for the month and I decided to price it at $30. And the reason being is because there's approximately 30 days in most months. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, a dollar a day sounds pretty reasonable for lesson mm-hmm. plans. And I thought about what I personally would pay as an elementary librarian. What would that be worth to me? Um, so mm-hmm. what happened eventually is that once I got the entire year finished, I wanted to package it all together and make it a package product. Well, the problem with that is that the value was so much more because I had the entire year finished and I thought I was also undercharging. So what happened was I ended up selling it for like $450 roughly for the year. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem with that is that it's hard for a lot of people, individuals to pay that. Um, My school districts were paying it with no problem. Um, I had a lot of individuals who were paying that. But there were a lot of people out there who couldn't pay that. And so we decided to go to the monthly recurring model where people can pay a more affordable price monthly and they stay members for as long as they would like to remain members. Mm, that's that's incredible. And then have access to the past and the future lessons plan, lesson plans. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And so wow. basically now, I mean, depending on what price point they came in at, I had a variety of price points because some people had been customers before and I offered them a lower price to come in at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, some people come in through a webinar or, you know, just however they get there. Um, so I had people paying anywhere from $19 a month to a list price of $49 a month month each month. Mm, mm, interesting. And then um, Marcel, that answers a question on um, how much on a monthly basis. So really, really inspiring. I love how you broke it down into um, the 30 days, a dollar a day. That's really, and I feel like you got to start somewhere. And I love that mm-hmm. you kind of just like, Hey, I'm going to start. I don't have any good examples from people doing this. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to set my own pricing and then we'll see how that goes. Okay. So, um, let me go back a little bit into your story. And I remember hearing on one podcast, I don't remember who's, uh, it might have been Pat's or, um, or actually it might just be you guys talking about downsizing when you're building a business. So, and this was like mind boggling for me because I've never heard anybody do this, but it completely makes sense. So you guys lived in a house that you're paying a certain amount for rent. And then you actually went and like either sold that house or I, I'm not sure what that happened, we but did. you, oh, oh my gosh, like you sold a house and you moved into a, please tell us about that. Okay. So yeah, well, when I said we went all in, I meant we really went all in and we decided, um, we kind of came to a crossroads where we were doing really well and, you know, things were going well and we see quitting our jobs in the tunnel. It's the light at the end of the tunnel, but we knew that our current circumstances, the tunnel was going to be longer. Um, it was going to take us a longer time to get to that freedom. So Shane came to me again, Shane's the ideas guy. He came to me with a crazy idea that we sell our house. And, you know, for me, I, I was just like, we can't sell our house. And he's like, yeah, we can. And we're going to. 
So uh, we we did. We sold our house. Um, we got into the market when it was the really, really low interest rate. So we were able to lock in like a 3% rate on this other house. So we took our mortgage payment from uh, almost half of what we were paying before. Um, we canceled our cable. We stopped doing things on the weekends, like instead of going out places or like traveling, um, we would go to the library. We went to playgrounds. Um, we did all kinds of stuff. And, you know, most of the time when people tell you like, oh, you need to change your lifestyle and um, you need to make cutbacks, they're talking about going to the coffee shop or making coffee at home instead of going to the coffee shop. Oh, no, we sold our house. <laughs> Exactly. That's what I was saying. It's super extreme and it's so inspiring. And I, I'm, I'm just like, I, I'm, I was shocked when I heard that. And I'm so inspired because if you really have that belief that you can do it, you just need that, that extra resources to put into your business. That makes so much sense. And then you, were you guys still working? Um, or did you guys we go full time? Oh my gosh. No. At the Work, time, we were still working. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So we, you know, the business is doing pretty well at this point. It's not quite doing well enough for us to decide to pull the plug right then. So um, here in Kentucky, our school starts in August. So, you know, we're getting ready to go back to school. Um, we had you know, we, we still have these little kids. I mean, they're a little bit older now, but we're getting ready to go back to school. We're making about four figures a month, you know, like very consistently. And, you know, we're getting closer to the five figure range, but it's still just not quite enough to convince me that it's time to go. Now, Shane would have went, you know, a long time ago, but for me, I'm kind of like, Oh, I don't know. So, um, so we get into the smaller house, you know, and we're getting ready to start school back. Well, July was super exciting. Um, we still haven't switched to the recurring model at this point. This was July of 13. So July, I, I decided to write an entire new year of lesson plans for a variety of reasons. Um, they weren't evergreen enough for my liking and, you know, some other reasons and people had asked. So, um, I decided I was going to write a new year of lesson plans and uh, yeah, Keith, I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> That's where the accent's from. Sorry. I just caught that in the chat, but um, so yeah, in, uh, in July of 13, we had a really exciting month. We had like a $15,000 month and that was our first ever five figure month, which was really exciting. And you know, Shane, he's ready. He's like, Oh, you know, school starts next month. Let's do it. We got this. And I'm like, um, no, I'm still not convinced. So August was even more exciting. We uh, doubled that amount in August and a little bit more. So, um, you know, at that point we were kind of like, okay, what should we do? Because, you know, teaching, that was almost as much as we made in a year teaching. So, uh, Shane was like, yeah. we've got to get out of this. We've got to do it now. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. So, to make a long story short, we ended up leaving our jobs in September of 2013, which uh, to quit school not even two months in is just unheard of. I mean, people just don't do that here. Um, it, it's just, you know, people thought we were like crazy insane and probably still do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my goodness, that is so inspiring. I'm looking up the website for um, those asking. It's elementarylibrarian.com. And that is the first site that Jocelyn uh, had created and how she started her business. And now she's on flippedlifestyle.com. Now she is sharing her journey along with her husband about how they came and the changes that they made and the mindset that they have. So if you'd like to check her out, it's flipplifestyle.com. And then I just pasted another link to elementarylibrarian.com. And Jocelyn, I just want to put that in there for um, those people who like to listen and um, look up stuff at the same time. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, of course. So, um, oh my goodness, I didn't even know like where to even go. I'm so excited. <laughs> you, what a beautiful story. And Every mom entrepreneur's dream. And so now how did you, when you, after you quit, how did you balance the time? Because working at home is so distracting sometimes. Like I literally, I was just telling my husband, I had to, I have to go out into a cafe and work because it's too distracting to work from home. And then, um, were your children in childcare? How did you balance everything? Yeah. So by the time that we had, uh, decided to quit, my son was in preschool at the time and my daughter, we had childcare for her. So, um, my son is now in first grade and my daughter is now in preschool. So they're in school a lot of the time. Um, we do most of our work now from about 10 a.m. until about 3 p.m. And that's what our day looks like most of the time. And there's a lot that has to be smashed into those hours because we don't like to work when they're here. Um, we've done a lot of outsourcing. And so we have um, a couple of different virtual assistants now who help us to take some of the tasks off that we were doing. Mm. And that helps a lot to be able to manage it. Mm. Oh, okay. That's, that's really great. It's really great to outsource and um, outsource both the business side of things and the home stuff. Do you by any chance have um, a homekeeper, somebody who takes care of your house? Yes. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> yes. Awesome. In fact, uh, yeah, that's something that we just started doing not too long ago. Um, and it, it will change your life for real. That was one of my major goals is to find somebody to help me to do the laundry and um, go out and get groceries and things like that. And it's really, really a life changing thing. Um, in fact, she's kind of wandering around here now. So <laughs> um, it's, it's quite awesome. And um, you know, we, we love Shane and I say that we like to change other people's lives too. It's not just about us, you know, the people that we bring onto our team, um, several of them are local. And, um, one of our assistants, she used to work as a teller at a bank and we asked her if she wanted to come on and be our full-time assistant. And it's changed her life in ways that she never thought that her life could change. Um, even just being, um, you know, our assistant, it's awesome because she's now able to do so many more things with her son and to be more available for him. So, you know, it's not just about our life and what we can do and how much success we can have. I mean, that's awesome. And, you know, I'm certainly thankful and grateful for the success that we've had, but more importantly, it's more important to us to have that ripple effect. You know, we want to throw the pebble in the pond and impact not just us and not just the people around us, but generations from now, we want people to say, my life was changed and my family's life was changed because this happened. 
That's so beautiful. Thank you, Jocelyn, for sharing that. You obviously have a very beautiful heart and you can see that in, in the words that you use and the heart that you have. It's just beautiful. And Ali asks, um, referring back to the, um, hiring people, do you ever hire <laughs> friends or family? <laughs> Um, we do. And, you know, this is a gray area. It's a gray area for many reasons because, you know, it can get a little bit sticky sometimes. And we have had that situation. Mm. Um, but the people that we have working with us now, they are all friends. And, um, you know, like I said, it can be tricky. It can be difficult. But mm. I think that if you make everybody's expectations known up front, that it can really help in that, you know, like moving forward what you want to accomplish and what their plans are. Um, if mm. you can know all that up front, I think that it helps. Mm, thank you so much. Uh, that, that was a really good question, Ali. I really appreciate that. And thank you so much for your answer. Now, um, we're going to wrap up, wrap up in just a few minutes. And um, before we do, I just want to ask, um, what are some common mistakes that people make that you've seen? Because I know that you work with a lot of entrepreneurs that you've, you're doing coaching. You have your own membership site, I believe, at fliplifestyle.com, and you really help people start their own businesses. Now, what are some of the common mistakes that people make when building a business? Um, I think the first one is not knowing who they are targeting. And this is often referred to in online business as the avatar. I think that a lot of times people are not clear enough about who they're targeting or they're not specific enough. Um, for instance, I don't target all librarians with elementary librarian because there are public librarians, there are high school librarians, there are middle school librarians, and they're all different. They all have different sets of problems. Instead, mm -hmm. I target elementary librarians. And that automatically will narrow you down. It will keep you focused because it's really hard to solve a problem for someone if the problem is so broad. You know, you really have to narrow it down and figure out what that person's problem is and solve it. And that's how you're going to end up making this online business thing work. Mm, beautifully said. I completely agree. And Aaron asks, what are your top five takeaways from shifting your days independently to positively <laughs> working with your husband all the time? Good question, Erin. Uh, you're, play you're playing it fast and loose with the word positively there. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, uh, Shane and I, we love working together. Um, there are days that it is more difficult than others, as you can imagine. Um, that's just part of working with anyone, but especially your spouse, I think. Um, you know, I think that just um, calendaring things was really impactful for us. Um, we live and die by our Google calendar. If it's not on the calendar, we don't do it. So um, it's just so important to know where your time is going. Yeah. We always say that you can always make more money, but you can't make more time. So time is just so critical to us. So I would say definitely that is one of the top things that we had to learn to do. Um, another is outsourcing, as I mentioned, just learning that we are not Superman and Superwoman. We cannot do everything. It's not humanly possible. Therefore, we have to get some of that off of us. Um, so just learning to do that, coming up with the procedures for doing that, that is a job in and of itself. Um, you know, you have to proceduralize everything. Um, it does take a lot of time to do that, but it's worth it in the long run. So I would say that is uh, definitely something to consider. Um, we, as far as like, um, you know, working together and at home, um, we even calendar things like our kids' activities. They're all on our calendar, um, even playing with our kids. And I know that sounds crazy, but 
we we as human beings are not good multitaskers. So if you are trying to play with your kids and do your dishes and do your laundry and uh, watch a little bit of TV and this and that, it's never going to happen. So we even do that. So hopefully that answered your question a little bit. I don't know if that was five things, but it was a few. <laughs> no, absolutely. Thank you so much, Jocelyn. You're, you're an incredible interviewee. Like you're amazing. Thank you so much for answering oh, everything thanks. so beautifully. Yeah, um, so, uh, there was a question. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, there was a question from, oh my goodness. I completely missed it. Um, I think it was Marcella and Marcella asked if you, um, oh, are there any specific sites where you outsource from? And then I'm going to do like a secondary question. Um, while you're at it, maybe you can throw in some other resources that you like to use for your business. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, we do use Upwork to hire if it's not mm-hmm. someone local. Um, we have found some really great people on Upwork and we've found some not so great people on Upwork. It's just like everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I do yeah, recommend yeah. that if you're going to use Upwork um, to look at people's job descriptions and choose candidates rather than posting a job description. Um, I find that we usually find better people if we do it that way. Um, also give them, you know, pick two or three that you really like and give them a test task to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we do this a lot and it really helps to narrow people down and see if they're going to be the right fit for you. Mm, that's, uh, that's so true. And I, sometimes when I hire on Upwork, I love Upwork by the way too. And I include like a really funny, cheesy word in the middle of, um, of my ad saying like, please Mm -hmm. uh, mention this word. And it's like, usually it's like Mm -hmm. Skittles or something like that in the subject line. (laughs) And it's so funny how many people actually miss it. And so I, I, I appreciate you sharing that because hiring somebody and, um, and test, giving them a test t- task is so important because you're going to work with that person for a long time. And thankfully yes. I've had a lot of success with Upwork and, but you, yeah, you really have to take that time and invest that time into hiring somebody. Now, what are some other resources that you use for your business? Um, I am absolutely in love with Canva. Canva is free unless you use their pictures. Um, it makes imaging super easy. Um, when you're writing those blog posts, make a little Pinterest image, make it do double duty for you. Um, it, it's beautiful. I love Canva. It's so awesome. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, other things. I mean, we use so many things. Um, we're using Asana. I'm not sure if that's how you say that. Uh, mm, I hear yeah. it's a yoga term. <laughs> but um, oh, anyway, we're, we're using that um, with our assistants and they mark off their task each day. And also each week. So that is really, really helpful for us. Um, let's see. I also use, um, try to think of what else we use. Um, we use Infusionsoft, but you know, that is, um, interesting. <laughs> yeah. I have a love hate relationship with Infusionsoft. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and of course, you know, that's for, for those people who are really, really like far, far ahead in, in their business and, um, definitely not for everyone, but people do call it Confusionsoft sometimes. So that's funny. Yeah. So like I said, I have a love hate relationship with that one. Um, <laughs> let's see. Oh, gosh, we use so many. I mean, it's just hard for me. to. Oh, uh, right now we're really loving Webinar Jam and EverWebinar mm. for um, Evergreen Webinars. That one's really good. I use a lot of we- uh, Evergreen Webinars for Elementary Librarian, and we're starting to explore those for Flip Lifestyle as well. Okay, so you mentioned like three different softwares for webinars. Like why why all of, uh, do you use them diff- you know, so many and then what are better worse cuz I have webinar jam as right. well. 
Yeah, Webinar Jam, uh, that's the live version of EverWebinar. So it's the same company, basically the same product. The only difference is EverWebinar is for Evergreen Webinars, so ones that you're not physically present at. Um, I use those a lot on the elementary librarian site. I call them free training. I don't call them a webinar because people in that space don't really understand webinars. Um, That's so true. It's so important to know the terms that people use. So important. Mm-hmm. So I just call it a free training. Um, a lot of people will pretend that they're live. I don't do that. I just present the content. You know, I don't say that I'm live. I don't say I'm not live. I just present the content. So, yeah, I use those a lot um, as far as like everyday tools that we use. Those are some that we use a lot. Thank you so much for thank you so much for uh, for sharing. And Ali says workshop is what I like to use. Yeah. Yep. Either way, something yeah, either that your target, mm-hmm. uh, target audience will understand. Jocelyn, thank you so much for your time. It was such an incredible conversation with you. I really appreciate you for everything that you've shared with us and telling your really amazing story. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Jocelyn has such an incredible story. I thank you so much for joining us. And please join us live next time every single Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, where we have more lively conversations just like this. I'm your host, Vicky Lashenko, and this is a show that features amazing stories of the most remarkable mompreneurs. Thank you so much for joining us, and I'll see you next time.